Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And the Knicks, man, they lost another heartbreaker of a game to one of the top two teams in the East. Yes, the Sixers were without Joel Embiid, Gavin, but it didn't really matter. You know, it hasn't mattered when they were facing other teams. It didn't matter against the Knicks. They were a formidable opponent, and the Knicks dropped it 99 to 96. But I, I think there were some things to be encouraged by in this game. Yeah, a brutal loss in a lot of ways. The Knicks only score 14 points in the fourth quarter. A night after he goes 10 for 10 from the line, R.J. Barrett goes just 3 of 7. Emmanuel quickly goes 0 for 1 on free throws. Uh, the Knicks miss some crucial shots down the stretch in this one. But to your point, Alex, uh, I think we're going to take a little bit more of an optimistic spin on this. Uh, two nights in a row against the top two teams in the Eastern Conference and the Knicks a shot of way from forcing overtime in both of them. We'll get into that and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by CBDMD. Getting a good night's sleep can be much easier said than done, but don't worry because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to help you unwind and sleep harder than the general NBA media is sleeping on the Knicks. Sleep PM bath salts fuse superior CBD and melatonin with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience and give you the relaxation you desperately deserve. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code MBA, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. And I should also mention, we have a new partnership, an exciting partnership that's going to allow us to bring one of our favorite things back that we haven't done for quite some time. Fan Fridays are coming back, and that is thanks to the Locker Room app. Download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and then join the NBA group and follow me. Uh, for now, we're going to run it off my account. It's at Alex Wolf on Locker Room, and you'll be notified when our room goes live. Join us this Friday. We are going to be running our Locker Room at 5.30 on Friday evening, uh, probably going to run for like 30, 40 minutes, talking to the Knicks, taking questions from you guys live, and then it's going to turn into a podcast for this weekend. So definitely check us out on Locker Room on Friday. Anyway, Gavin, to get into this game itself here, uh, as we mentioned in the open, 99-96 loss. I thought the Knicks defended their asses off in this game. It was amazing like to see them come out with the energy that they did a night after losing to the Nets and having so many players play such heavy minutes you know Julius Randle RJ Barrett uh, I think even Emmanuel quickly might have been over 40 minutes last night or if not he was close and 
you know, and Reggie Bullock as well was last night. And then to come in to this game and have Randall and Barrett both play 41 minutes again and play as well as they did on both ends of the floor, I was blown away by, I mean, I shouldn't say that the effort level was surprising to me because the, the Knicks have had very few games this season where they've kind of, what they've come out and put forth what I call low effort games. But it was surprising to see that they had the capacity to still have that level of defensive intensity that they did. And, you know, ultimately the, the Sixers made a run at the end. They came back. They made the tough shots that they needed. You know, Tobias Harris, like, hats off to him. He had a really great game. Uh, 30 points, 11 to 20 shooting for him. And that that was a huge difference against the Knicks in this. Um, Seth Curry also shot the ball really well. Uh, hit a lot of threes. Ben Simmons, you know, flirted with a triple-double as he is likely to do. So, you know, we mentioned in the beginning, not having Joel Embiid is, you know, something that does not harm the Sixers that much. They just beat the Spurs by like 40 the other night. And we literally saw the Spurs beat the Knicks like two weeks ago. So, you know, it's (laughs) by transitive property, I guess the Knicks are doing pretty good here. Um, But at any rate, Gavin, I I don't know where you want to start this whole recap. Uh, I, I think that we could go any one of a number of different directions. So I'll throw it to you to get us started. Yeah, I think I think I'll take a big picture because you, you see on Twitter, I mean, not necessarily amongst Knicks media people, but just fans, people being really heartbroken and disappointed at this loss. I don't want to be a broken record, but if it's good for the draft position, it's good for me. And I feel I feel gross. I feel gross saying that I want I desperately wanted the Knicks to win last night. Watching this game live, I wanted the Knicks to win tonight. But after the game, emotions go down. I, I, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, this this really isn't the end of the world. Like I, I, I said early in the year when it looked like the Knicks were going to be pretty decent, I kind of want as many competitive losses as possible. And and again, part, part of that just like, makes my stomach turn over. I'm like, no, screw that. Beat the Nets, beat the Sixers, make the playoffs. Let's make Brooklyn sweat. Let's make Philly sweat. And that would be great. And if it goes that way, I'm I'm perfectly content with it. But I, I just I, I think there's a very very positive spin to this, and it's that the Knicks uh, on the second night of a back to back, following like an incredibly emotional game against Brooklyn. Like I I don't think there was a game this year that the Knicks put more effort and more just like blood, sweat, and tears into than last night's Nets game. Maybe I'm forgetting one, but that 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 kind of felt like it to me. It, it took everything like emotionally and discipline wise to come back and keep that game competitive. And then a night later, you get a tough Philly team that, to your point, Alex, is, has been absolutely rolling since Joel Embiid has gotten hurt. Uh, top eight in the NBA, both offensively and defensively. They, they know who they are. They have a lot of vets, to your point. Like Harris has just been awesome offensively. The Knicks really didn't have a chance against him tonight. And, and the Knicks did, I think, really the only thing they could do to keep this a game, and that was to turn it into a little bit of a slugfest, ugly first quarter, and then in the second, the Knicks started like punching a little bit above their weight class. Um, the, the backups did a really good job of staying in it defensively before RJ could come back, before Julius could come back. Alec Burks, his, his final shooting numbers were surprisingly not that great uh, because he faltered a bit uh, in the fourth quarter, but he got really hot and, and was making like tough shot after tough shot. I believe, unless he missed the free throw, had a four-point play in that second quarter was getting to the rim, was was hitting um, jumpers in the in-between game. He, he, he was really, really spectacular in that second, quickly made some big ones. The floater game is back on track. It, it was it was a very, very encouraging performance. And again, they lost by three points. They sucked from the free throw line in this game. RJ, a night after going 10 for 10, was just three for seven. Quickly, I noted it in like the little tease. He missed a free throw. 
they, they, they left a lot of points on the board. Philly had Dwight Howard making BS, like long twos. It, it's, it's not the end of the world. They could have won this game. You can argue if they hadn't played last night and they had a little more legs, like Julius was dead by the end of this game, that they would have won this game. Um, I've said this game like eight times in a row, Alex, so I'll throw it over to you. But I, I just I would not be too heartbroken about this one if uh, I, if I am an Knicks fan, as an Knicks fan. This game, this game, man, this game, I got to tell you. Uh, <laughs> you sound like you're going to the practice rant. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. game? This it's, game? What you know, it's funny. Not, not practice, the game. <laughs> You know, we only have so much time on here, so I can't. I don't want to do too long of an anecdote, but I've been watching Last Chance You basketball uh, that just came out on Netflix, and the coach on there. Which, first off, it's been really good. So, if anybody watched the football version and wants to watch the basketball one, definitely check this one out. But what's hilarious is their coach. His his thing is like he just latches onto a phrase and then he just says it over and over and over again. Like when they're doing their like like locker room sessions like after the game or whatever he'll just be like like you have to finish you have to finish you he just keeps going and going dude if james had just said that to the team tonight we would have won maybe yeah maybe they need to get a coach uh uh mosley i believe is his last name uh off of off last chance you basketball maybe maybe he'll be a rising star and join the Knicks just to be their motivational speaker. <laughs> Tim's just like, all right, I said my part. Coach Mosley, break us down. <laughs> finish! You need to finish! <laughs> He's actually a really good coach, too. But yeah, the Knicks, they just needed to finish in this game. Um, and that's sort of the moral of the story. You know, I don't, I, I think I'd rather get into individual performances at this point. But I think that we can do that when we get into our next segment here. I should remind everybody again, though. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Locker Room. And again, we're bringing back a, a favorite that we did for a while, uh, quite a ways back now, and we just haven't gotten back into it for whatever reason, but we're going to bring back Fan Fridays. And the way that we're going to do that is by allowing you guys to participate through Locker Room, which will sort of be almost like a like a live mailbag where you can interact with us via audio on the app. So Locker Room, in case you're unfamiliar, it's a live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use on iOS. You can talk to me and Gavin, other fans, athletes you can find on there, and, you know, bigger time, less small potato-y guys than us. All in real time on there. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news. And as I said, in our case, we're going to use it to have an interactive podcast with you guys. And we're going to try to do this every single week where we log on every Friday or, you know, maybe Thursday, depending on how the next schedule shakes down and talk with you guys and have some kind of weekend chat about the, the what happened with the Knicks that week. And, you know, what we're thinking, what you guys are thinking, have some live reactions and all that stuff. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, it's free. It's audio only again, social media platform for sports fans. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to take advantage of this thing and and use it and make a really good show, uh, and have a really good time with you guys. I think all you need to do, if you want to get involved is download the locker room app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and then join the NBA group and more specifically join the Knicks group. And then follow me at Alex Wolf. And I'm sure Gavin is is getting his account set up as well. So, you know, we'll we'll tell you guys which one we'll be going live with on any given week. 
But for now, follow at Alex Wolf on Locker Room, and you'll be notified when our room goes live. And again, we are going live this Friday at 5.30 p.m. We are bringing back Fan Fridays. We're going to take questions from you guys on the Locker Room app, and it's going to be a really good time. Come with your spiciest takes, and let's go have some fun on Locker Room. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. BlueChew's sildenafil and tadafil Tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal just for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. All right, guys, we'll be back in just a sec on Locked on Knicks. But first, we're covering everything you need to know about the Knicks here. But what about the rest of sports? There's a whole lot of other sports out there. I know it doesn't feel like that some way. But now, with the Locked on Podcast Network, has you covered there as well with Locked on Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. All the Locked on Today podcast, wherever you get pods. All right, Alex, we are back. Unlocked on Knicks, a 99-96 to loss for our boys against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I I kind of, I dipped a toe in a lot of different players. That sounds weird. Um, but where, where do you want to start, Alex? Yeah, I'll throw it to you. You can go with anyone. I mean, I think it's got to be Julius Randle first. You know, I was so impressed by just like the verve that he came out with to start this game. You know, he was so... You would think of anybody, he would be the one that would be tired out after last night's game. I mean, he had to, like, put the team on his back last night, too. And, you know, his stat line actually looks kind of modest-ish for him. Uh, 19 points, 7-19 shooting, 1-3 from 3, 4-6 from the free throw line, uh, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, only in Julius Randle's world this year can that be considered sort of modest. But uh, I just thought that he was, especially at the beginning, he set the tone for the Knicks, and that was so important in this game. You know, we could talk all day about what he and RJ and anybody else did well on offense, but we we beat those points to death most times. I I think in terms of this one, I think the most important thing was, you know, even more so than just him playing like he always plays, was that he did it with the level of intensity that that he did. Clearly was still a little... uh, peeved about the call last night that apparently was correct uh thanks to what was that uh that ref's name that was on msg monty Monty mccutcheon was the guy who monty mccutcheon out of another dimension i i'm sorry that dude looks like he's definitely living in brooklyn currently like had the long ass beard like those weird like huge tortoise shell glasses like 
I, I didn't get it, man, but whatever. They, they featured him on MSG, and he's like one of the guys in tra- – former NBA officials now sort of like in charge of uh, training current NBA officials. So they got his ruling on it, and he was like, no, you know, because of the fact that the ball didn't move in Julius's hands and get knocked out of his hands, um, it technically counts as a travel because he was able to then get into a shooting motion after Kyrie touched the ball and then touch back down. Whatever. Randall was pissed about it last night. You would think – he could have come out and been sulking in this game. Instead, he came out with a vengeance. And that that just kind of goes to show the type of leader that he's become, the type of player that he's been this year, his level of conditioning, which is off the charts. Um, there's just a lot to love about this game for Julius Randle. And, you know, ultimately, I think that he, along with some other guys, ran out of gas down the stretch, Gavin. But just, you know, I hate to talk about basketball like narratively like this. We're normally very, like, what did the guys do focused, but, you know, Randall did a, a lot of what you expect him to do. Normally he, he stretched the floor a little bit, you know, he, he only made one of three threes, but like the threat of him shooting was clearly something on the mind of the Sixers. Um, he distributed extremely well. He was a beast, you know, inside actually in this game, I thought, and in the mid range, you know, his two kind of bread and butter areas and drew some fouls, got himself six free throw attempts. I, you know, he did all the things that you like him to do well in the basketball court. But the thing that I was most impressed with, again, was just like his mentality in this game. Um, so I don't know about you, Gavin, but that that's sort of my first point that I wanted to touch on there. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you on Randall. I, I liked uh, the chemistry between him and IQ. And just you, you just see quickly getting easier shots with the starters than he does with the bench, which I mean, to some extent, did no doy. Like he's playing, he's playing with better players. But uh, I, I just I think there's there's still some untapped potential there, just because um, quickly I think, and, and to some extent, you you don't want to lo- him to lose his creative verve and his shot creation. But I, I think he almost like hasn't fully grasped, or or maybe they just haven't gotten the rhythm. But like the upside of him and Randall playing together like his first three was wide open just because Randall like was literally just backing down the high post and at, at this point with how Randall's playing that that's sort of like red alert red alert for a defense and two guys came running over to him and Randall just kind of shuffled it over to IQ um he also got another three off a of Randall double team where Randall did like what's quickly becoming a classic firm where like he puts his head down to drive goes into the lane and like just sort of knows where everyone is on the court spins around in midair double pump pass back to quickly deep three cash that was that was one of my like two or so favorite plays of the game um he was he, he was just really really solid in this one you, you could tell he was like a little tired by the end of the game and it was, it was warranted given what he's done the last two nights but this was this was another even even though it was slightly lackluster statistically by his lofty standards. I would argue this was another star performance in the game where the Knicks really needed it from him. And, and I, I like that he made a good play late, passing it off to RJ. Like RJ obviously ultimately missed that short little turnaround that, if I'm remembering correctly, could have tied the game up for the Knicks. But Randall, he had a chance to force it at the basket, didn't do that. Made the unselfish play, it didn't work out. Doesn't change that it was the right play. So. I would argue, despite the relative inefficiency, another really good night for Julius Randle. But Alex, I'm going to throw it over to you. What did you think about Alec Burks? Because I, I touched on him a little bit earlier. Um, I, I really liked um, someone else retweeted it, but like a quote from our guy Terry of NYK, Terry and Trey, where I think he said Burks is essentially like a superstar that's only 71% formed. 
And, and I would argue that this game kind of epitomized that with how hot he got in the second quarter and you're watching this guy. And, and, and it's like, was one of the, is like, like the classic Bill Simmons situation. You, you bring someone to the game who's never watched basketball before. And you say, who's the best guy in the court? And if he's only watching the second quarter, he's saying Alec Burks. He's like, man, is that guy like one of the top 10 players or something? Um, and, and then you watch him in the fourth quarter and the guy's saying like, oh, why is like, that guy's like an end of the bench guy. Why is he, why is he in right now? So it was, it was a little bit of that from Burks, but I, I, I was impressed with his second quarter stretch. And if you're the Knicks, you needed that kind of pop off the bench. If you wanted a chance to stay in this game, because right now with IQ in the starting lineup, they just do not have a lot of juice in the second unit. Well, I will hold that thought for just a moment and get to Alec Burks. When we get into our next segment here, but first got to remind everybody today's episode is brought to you by built bar. And we've been telling you about Built Bar for a while, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's amazing. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It tastes fantastic. And every single Built Bar is covered in 100% natural chocolate. But now it's time to figure out which Built Bar is best. That's right. It is Built Bar Madness. And man, there has been... clearly we're getting ready for for March Madness here because there have been some great matchups. Mint Brownie moved on past Toffee Almond in the Sweetest 16. That was, you know, one that I was really pulling for Toffee Almond there. That's a real shame. But now we're on to Coconut Almond versus Peanut Butter Brownie at the tail end of voting for that one today. If you have, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a night owl and you can get in a last minute vote for Coconut Almond, do that. One of the best flavors and then on the other side, wow, very peanut butter versus coconut in the sweetest 16. A lot of that going on here. Just the straight up peanut butter bar versus the coconut puff bar. Again, I got to go coconut, man. The coconut puff is, again, all their coconut ones remind me so much of an Almond Joy. If you're an Almond Joy or Mounds fan, you're going to love all the coconut bars from Built Bar. And the coconut puff one, so airy. It's got like the consistency of the three musketeers in there but tastes like a Mounds bar. So good. One of the best bars that they've got. I got Coconut Puff with, I I guess you wouldn't call that an upset. They are the favorite there, but I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of coconut in here. Might be Coconut Overload. I don't care. Vote Coconut all the way every single round. The Coconut Bars are the best. They're all my favorite. But if you want to vote for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com or visit Bar underscore Built on Twitter and, you know, check it out for yourself. Place some some uh, votes there and see your favorites get all the way into the championship, which should be happening around next week. Uh, And if you want to pick up some built bars for yourself, which why not build like a variety box of the final four, you could do that. You could pick all your favorite flavors to put into a single box to ship to you. You're not married to just one flavor or whatever. Uh, Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you will get 15% off your next order. Again, that's locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Just make sure it's a coconut one. And we also wanted to tell you about bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Temptation Island, new episode last night. It's heating up. I don't know why I keep talking about it during these ads, but I hope Bet Online has some odds pertaining to the show. Real time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if, this is a big if, IF, you use our promo code Locked on. That's all one word. Locked on. If you want to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember, bet online. It's your online sportsbook experts. And before we get into my take on Alec Burks, just a reminder that on Wednesdays on Locked On NBA, it is small market meets big market on the Locked On NBA podcast. Join Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. For a look at the NBA week from all angles, follow the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get podcasts. And just like that, Gavin, we were right back into the action. Uh, So Alec Burks, man, um, first off, that was a flawless ad read by us. We did that all in one take. Beautiful. Uh, (laughs) But Alec Burks, I agree with your overall assessment. Um, I, I think that when they needed him, you know, so for example, in the last game, the Knicks went to an all bench lineup that featured Alec Burks at the start of the second quarter and basically lost the game during that stretch. They got outscored 14 to two and Burks just wasn't able to produce that shot creation and scoring that you needed from him. And that was very sorely missed from Emmanuel quickly previously, um, you know, who would have been out there with the second unit, you know, during normal circumstances when in, you know, L for Derrick Rose times. But like, I I think that in this game, he sort of redeemed himself in a big way because they Tibbs, I was like praying for him not to do it, but he played, he played Julius and, and RJ and quickly for all 12 minutes of the first quarter. And he did sub Burks in for Bullock. I think was the first sub off the bench and then Taj for Noel before the end of the first quarter. So they sort of started, you know, integrating the bench there. But then, of course, you don't want to ask guys to play longer than a whole quarter, at least not at the beginning of the game, because you don't want to totally gas them right from the start. So, of course, he sits down all three of them. He replaces uh, Randall with Obi Toppin. Uh, he replaced quickly with Frank. And I think he actually put Bullock back in the game uh, because he had been the first guy out. So then you were rolling with this lineup of it was the same lineup that basically lost the game for the Knicks uh, on uh, Monday night against the Nets of Burks, Nilkina, Gibson, Toppin, and Bullock. But instead, this time around, I think Burks did enough, you know, from a scoring perspective to keep the Knicks in the game. And even, you know, they they were starting to kind of push ahead of Philly a little more. Like, they ended the first quarter up 21-20. They wound up winning the second quarter 35-28. I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, guys like Randall and, and RJ down the stretch of the quarter. But you know, Burks and company kind of propped them up at the beginning of the second quarter there. And I think did a a really good job as far as, um, you know, providing enough shot making to keep the Knicks viable against the Sixers bench and, you know, set things up for those starters to come back in to close the half and, you know, really uh, set the Knicks up well, you know, going into the second half where they, they had a, pretty substantial lead. I mean, they were up by eight at the half and I forget what their biggest lead was. Uh, I can check that pretty easily here. Yeah, I think it was double digits. Yeah. Biggest lead was 10 points at one point. That was, that was as high as they got. So, you know, they're leading by eight at the half, which was a, a good place to be in against, again, the number one team in the East, regardless of injuries or anything else, they've been on fire lately. So, you know, I, I again, Burks, good job. 
uh, you know, all in all, this is this is what the Knicks need out of him more. And I think he played within himself a little more too, which was helpful. You know, he wasn't he wasn't jacking up bad shots, but he also wasn't trying too hard to be like a point guard. Like whenever we see quote unquote point Burks out there, I just I feel like it's a disaster waiting to happen. He mostly stayed in his lane and almost played sort of almost like a quickly esque role in the way that he was playing where he was mostly looking for his own shot, but would, you know, wasn't being greedy or too greedy about it. Um, and was just trying to create his own looks at the, in the, in the second quarter there. So I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, but that's mostly my thoughts on Burks there, Gavin. Do you want to talk about like RJ or quickly or any of those guys? Yeah, I'll, I'll get into, I'll get into RJ a little bit. I, I thought this was a, another really good game for him, especially considering how awful he was the first time they played the Sixers. And, and I mean, Ben Simmons just absolutely tortured him. And, and on paper, I mean, I mean, you can make an argument. Simmons is just the best defender in the NBA period. So this is applicable to ev- anyone, but Simmons is, is kind of the guy you would build to guard RJ Barrett. Like someone who's like, like bigger, stronger, arguably like quicker and, and like just smart enough to like generally not fall for like any of his like caginess or like old man game. And, and Simmons just I mean that all proved out the first time they played I I would kind of say as Giannis is to Ben Simmons and how like Giannis seems to take like a special delight in kind of kicking Simmons butt every time they play Simmons has been to Barrett uh throughout his first year plus in the NBA but tonight um not I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to say that RJ outplayed him but came pretty close to playing him to a to a draw uh 17 points Eight boards, four assists, not not hyper efficient. Seven to seventeen from the field, missed his only three again, just three for seven from the foul line. But it was a lot better than what we saw from Archer the first time, and he certainly had his moments in this game, like a beautiful like euro step transition layup. Had, had another one in transition where he finished with I, I think it was the left hand on the right side. That, that was really nice. He, he used that as like a little trick to cut off the shot blocker. Um, had that that beautiful little like fake against Simmons where he was on the left block and, and he 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 picked up his dribble and Simmons is like all right plays dead and RJ just kind of does like a little reverse pivot up and under on the other side of the hoop and, and that caught Simmons totally off guard and you could tell kind of pissed him off a little bit in the moment and then defensively down the stretch like RJ had like one really really impressive possession first I, I thought it was at least in my mind it was a very big deal that uh, Tibbs put RJ on Simmons because generally he'll put Reggie Bullock on the other team's best uh, perimeter ball handler. And, and you could say, all right, but Reggie was guarding uh, Tobias Harris, but at least on, at least on the position I'm thinking of. So maybe, maybe selection bias here. Uh, Julius Randle was the one guarding Harris. So RJ guards Simmons, uh, gets switched onto Harris, stalls up Harris, gets the stop. Again, it was very similar to last night where RJ just couldn't quite put this one away down the stretch, like got a really like, like a big boy rebound over Simmons. Like, and you, you could tell RJ like this, I, he plays so hard. You could make the case that every matchup is personal for him. This one really felt personal. It was an awesome rebound over Simmons, pushes up the court again, gets to the foul line, gets his shot. I said last night, I'll take RJ like shooting a wide open foul line jumper any day of the week in a clutch situation. Missed it last night, missed it again tonight. That's what happens in the NBA when you're 20 years old and and you're trying to carry a team to the playoffs. You're going to miss some big shots. It's good that he's getting those reps. And then another good look on that play I previously mentioned where Randall was unselfish, made the extra pass to RJ. RJ got like a nice little turnaround in the lane, a shot that he's been hitting pretty well lately again. 
fairly high degree of difficulty for someone who doesn't have incredible touch um, on like his short jumpers, but it, it was, it was a good enough look and he, he just, he left it a little short. So nothing, nothing too backbreaking about those misses. And you take those off and all of a sudden he's seven to 15 from the field and it's a pretty efficient game. So I know I sound like a paid RJ stand right now, but he's been so good lately that I, I, I will take this game against the defense this good. Yeah, for sure. And I was super impressed by, you know, I'm just becoming impressed almost every night by the fact that RJ keeps getting put up against, it seems like better and better defenders and just keeps, keeps on keeping on. I mean, this, this definitely wasn't his best game that he's had in his recent hot stretch. Like again, seven to 17 from the field, you could do better than that. But as you noted, there were a few that were kind of, you know, whatever shots that you could, you could effectively scratch off the ledger. Um, you know, only three seven from the free throw line, which was sort of concerning, particularly after he just went ten to ten in the previous game. So you know, you wanted to see him do better there, and only zero of one from three. Although you know, they I thought they paid a lot of attention to him at the three point line, which makes me think that teams are finally starting to notice, like, hey, RJ Barrett's been shooting whatever it is, like forty five percent over the last like two months you know, from three. So maybe we should pay attention to him when he gets the ball outside at this point. The Sixers are one of the first teams I think that I've seen really pay him mind at the three point line in that way. And, you know, if he didn't have Simmons on him, he had, you know, he had Harris on him at times. Um, did he get a switch of, of Thibel on him at one point? I feel like maybe he did. I don't know. That's like one possession type stuff, but mostly it was like Simmons and, and Harris that they had guarding him and, I just thought that he, he did a fantastic job creating space for himself, being deliberate, you know, getting his shots and getting to his spots. And other than the three-point shooting again, and, and you know, you would have liked those those free throws back, but you could kind of say that about the whole Knicks team. They only shot 14 to 22 as a team from the line, which is certainly less than ideal. Um, but, like, all in all, it, just another good game for him. It, you know, the the – things will come around for him, you know, and things will come around for the Knicks in general, I think is my takeaway from these last two games. They were so close against two teams that are so good and lost by a combined eight points between the two of them. And the one game had very questionable officiating, but tonight was one of those games where, so last night I said, I don't normally say that, you know, officiating can lose you games, but I think officiating lost the Knicks this game, or at least a chance to potentially win it. Um, this game, people were complaining because there was potentially a bad call down the stretch for Reggie Bullock. It looked like he had stepped out of bounds, but upon closer review, it looked like he kept his heel above the out of bounds line when he caught the ball, stepped forward to take a three attempt, and then afterwards stepped back out of bounds. And people were, you know, trying to complain like to the Strickland on, on, uh, on Twitter about that being like, Oh, the ref screwed the Knicks again. This wasn't a game that was lost by fishing. The Knicks just couldn't close. They, they couldn't close this game. And that's all it comes down to. And uh, so, you know, it's, it was a learning experience. That's all it was. And I feel pretty satisfied with these two games. Like my heart was going a million beats a minute by the time this game was over with. And I felt an immense letdown when they did lose it. But once I sat back for all of about five seconds, I thought to myself, you know what? Like these are two teams that had won. Again, if we're talking about combined, you know, accolades between these two, I think between the two of them, the Nets had won 12 of 13 going into last night's game. And the Sixers had won nine of 11 coming into this one. 
so you're talking about two teams that had won a combined 21 out of their last 24 games that the Knicks took to within, you know, one to two possessions in two straight games on a back-to-back. I feel pretty good after these two games, Gavin. I, I'm, I'm ready to be content. And the only thing that will make me worry is if they come out flat against the Magic on Thursday, then I'll say, all right, well, what's going on with the effort level here? Like you guys should feel some pride over those two games that you had and want to beat up on a team that's worse than you, which they have done before. And, you know, they have beaten up on the magic already once this season. And uh, they've, you know, they, they've done a pretty good job against some of the, the worst teams in the league. So I'll look forward to hopefully seeing that on Thursday, but for now I, I feel pretty good. The Knicks are on their way. They're just not there yet. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, one final note from me or maybe maybe i'll save it for next pod because we're, we're kind of running out of time but frank nilakina um he's offensively i would say fueling fueling the frank hay club in in terms of knicks fans like i i was just i was so confident after those first few games when his jumper was i mean he was something like 13 of 19 from three right after getting back into the rotation it's like finally he's turning a corner and it's just been a massive massive regression offensively for the last few games like where if you didn't know better you would think like rookie frank got like avengers time traveled into into 2021 to play in these games where he's just like looks like he, he's no faith in his like ability to like get to the rim um he's like taking long twos instead of threes he i think he had two air balls on jumpers in this one so that that's heartbreaking but as always the dude remains a special defender had that really Nice steal on it might have been Tybal, it might have been Cork I can't really remember. Um, but then like I the, the play that just showed is insane defensive talent. And I wish I'd put down a minute mark because I'd want people to go back and watch this. But um Tybal got out in transition, was like sprinting up the court, heading towards the center of the court. And, and Frank, like I, I've almost never seen this before in the NBA where the guys are just so such good athletes, and once they get momentum, you basically have to foul them. Frank just slid right in front of him and basically took his full momentum straight to his chest. And like Frank barely budged, Tybal was just like, "What the heck? That doesn't usually happen." And then, and then he threw it back to um, uh, Corkmans, who another Nick was guarding. Corkmans had a step on him, like was about to get into the lane, and Frank sees what's going to happen. He slides over from like eight feet away, cuts Corkmans off, and it was just it was just insane recovery speed. And, and you're kind of reminded, like, all right, this guy, there's a reason he's so good defensively. Like whatever his athletic traits are, and like obviously the wingspan, but also I would say his lateral quickness and his core strength. They translate in a really meaningful way defensively, but unless he unless he refines his shot on offense, uh, none of it is going to matter. Um, I wanted to end Alex, but I just I just had to get in that frank note. Yeah, and I guess we'll see just how impressive those defensive abilities have been by what Frank's role ends up being when Derrick Rose gets back from, I think we could probably safely say at this point, having COVID. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty safe to assume that Rose actually caught it and is is overcoming COVID, so hopefully he's doing well. And uh, when Alfred Payton gets back from his his hamstring issue, which, based off the fact that he came back for one game from it after the All-Star break and then had to immediately go back out, he might be out for a little longer. Schmilk had, shouts to him, had, had pointed that out last time. So maybe Frank still has a couple games to sort of refine himself. I guess we'll see as far as that's concerned. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see as soon as Thursday, hopefully. But uh, until then, I think we can wrap up this episode of Locked On Knicks. So again, one more reminder, this Friday, 5.30, we'll, we'll remind you guys also uh, on Thursday's episode, if we if we do one there, we might have a guest lined up for an episode on Thursday. And then we'll remind you guys on 
the Friday morning pod. Um, but it's going to be 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, obviously, uh, on the Locker Room app. Follow at Alex Wolf. You'll get notified when I go live to get the room going. And we will uh, do a Fan Friday podcast with you guys this Friday. Super excited to do that. But until next time, this has been Locked on Knicks. We will talk to you all probably on Thursday during the day, uh, as long as we get that, that guest that we want. And then we have at least one more game recap and then the Fan Friday pod for you guys still coming up this week. So lots more to come. Talk to you all soon. Peace out.